When the credits start rolling, but the movie keeps haunting you. Before, after. Then it's time to tune in to Dismembering Horror. We'll talk about what worked and also what didn't. We'll dissect every aspect. Maybe someone we shouldn't. He turned out to be a completely unreliable asshole. Take it away, boys. Take it away, we shall. Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. And hello, everybody out there listening and here listening. Thanks for being here. We're happy to have you here. As she just said, welcome to Dismembering Horror. This is episode 177 of Dismembering Horror. We're going big, going all out today, as we like to do whenever we can here to cover from 2010. I saw the devil from the South. Finally. Korea. Yes, finally. This We've is done it. This uh, as far as uh, the history of Dismembering Horror is concerned, this is the most off. Ryan telling Tim, oh, you got to see this. You haven't seen this? Oh, yeah, we should do it. Yeah, no, I want to talk. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, I think you'd like it. So we're finally doing it. <laughs> and <laughs> it's a favorite a film of um, a, a listener of ours, a good friend, um, two good friends of mine. This was a big deal for them when it came out. And at a certain point in my history, they were like, wait, what, really, Ryan? You haven't, we haven't shown it to you? You haven't seen it? So I finally got on the bandwagon. And uh, try to try to share that band- bandwagon, especially when someone like Tim says they uh, have a certain kind of fun with revenge thrillers. Yeah. So I said, I think that's when I probably first said, well, you got to see this one. That's fair. All right. Yeah. We did it. So, <laughs> and we're going to do it even more here. Yeah. yeah got it. Got to say anything before we further jump into it here, Tim? No, no. I mean, you know. Let's jump in into a big old vat of blood. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Great. Yeah. As I said, from 2010, released 2011 at the Sundance Film Festival here is where it premiered stateside, directed by Kim Ji-Woon, written by Park Hoon Jung. I saw the devil. Tim, how does something that's just about such horrible, horrible stuff just make me so happy? This is just the pinnacle of that kind of uh, reaction or feeling a movie gives me. (laughs) Well, that's a complex question to try to answer. (laughs) That's why I'm asking it. That's (laughs) Um, Well, I think that there's a few things going on um, that that give you that feeling and ultimately broadly i would just say this is incredibly good filmmaking and storytelling 
And so it's hard. It, it's almost like the content, like the, like the story itself is, is secondary to all of those things. I guess, yeah, not to get too ahead of ourselves. Uh, you want to continue that thought into your rating? What I shall. If you tell yourself to avoid stream <laughs> rent or buy this film? Um, I would buy this. I would buy this and Old Boy, like, a- in a package deal, happily. What a double screening. <laughs> right? Like, my God. Immediately, I was like, oh, it's this dude? Hell Yeah. Um, I really want to um, ha- have Britt watch Old Boy because she's not seen that. Fun. And she she quite liked this as well. So I was curious. This yeah, is no, uh, she... Tim's other half. He's referring to who yeah. is essentially I think there for most of these movies as well. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, we were making dinner and we were sitting down to we we're gonna sit down to dinner and 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 we always you know we tend to watch something while we eat. And she was like, actually, can we wait on dinner while we watch the rest of this? I mean, that openings, <laughs> I don't know if you could just kind of like casually be eating your spaghetti with that opening scene. <laughs> like, mm, Right. <laughs> yeah. So we wait, we waited to eat until after we finished it, um, which was the good, a good move, a, the right move. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's just so well done, even just from the, you know, broad strokes, the the look of it alone makes me go, oh, I, I should have this movie. Like, I should use this as a reference point forever of, like, how you construct a beautiful shot in a, you know, really doesn't matter what the setting is, but for me personally, wanting to make horror films, you know, coupling beautiful imagery and composition with the worst, most horrible things that can happen to people, I think is a real challenge. And this movie does that brilliantly. And I think that was kind of the continuation of your earlier thought to my question was the filmmaking almost supersedes uh, any sort of actual like or not wanting to watch it. Sure. Maybe reaction because of how intense it gets. Yeah. And I think that yeah, and we'll 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 speak even more to that with that all in mind. I mean, I was uh, one of the many reasons I was excited to cover this film was so I could have an excuse to buy it. So I also give it a buy it, <laughs> and that's the <laughs> Blu-ray copy that we watched. I could say I'm a proud owner of I Saw the Devil. I really think it's just. I mean, one of the horror classics in my book, definitely of the. 2000s and beyond you know comes to my mind as if you're making a top list of horror films but i'm hard pressed to think of what i would consider a better like through and through revenge film mm-hmm. like i know maybe it's maybe it's you, you it's, it's better to separate this from the sort the 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 um, the the woman getting revenge, if that's even a sub sub genre of the yeah, revenge I think movie, you could say that it's it seems like in horror it often takes that um uh, uh, uh or that that's a common version to go to for telling a revenge story, mm-hmm. but if you do include those, there's just like I think you know I remember it was when we were doing um the last house on the left when 
you you were trying to say what you loved so much about revenge films was this certain satisfaction of the moments the revenge is followed through. Like right. it, it's it's in spite of how horrific it could be or or because of how horrific it could be, it like scratches some kind of uh, very primal level of catharsis. Totally. And for me, it was harder. It's this is the film that that really does that for me. It can be harder for me to do that and sort of overcome the realism or just, you know, not getting too hung up in my, like, uh, I don't know, my hippie ideals of, you know, how I feel about violence, where I, and I mean that in the literal sense, you know, feel about violence. It's, I don't really get to that place where I experience that same catharsis in revenge movies, uh, except for this one. And I think that is so much to do with the filmmaking that is just fun and well done and um i want to go on about that but i'll save it for what worked so <laughs> I, I guess yeah you'll get even more idea about why it's a buy it for me as we continue this episode yeah that's um correct <laughs> all right <laughs> well for uh the initiated and uninitiated we are going to speak as if you've seen it but if not you're we're, we're really happy to have you here too so but for either whoever may fall on either of those that line, Tim, you want to give us a rundown so we can all get on the same page? Sure. Okay. So um, the daughter of the chief of police is murdered by a serial killer uh, violently and gruesomely. And she is also married to a... Um, what would you call him? Sort of like a, a NIS agent is what he's called. What is NIS? National something, intelligence security, something like that. So sort of like a CIA or or maybe um, Secret Service type guy. Yeah, he seemed on the level of like a detective at a police, uh, at, the, at the police or something, like underneath the captain versus like a just a normal police officer. Yeah. Like he was but someone he with more authority. Covert, like he's part of a secret He's an agent, so whatever That's, that means. Yeah. Maybe he's like an FBI agent equivalent, something like that. But yeah. either way. So uh, he's the husband of the woman who gets murdered. And um, and he doesn't know this, but when she's uh, pleading for her life in her last moments, she reveals that she's also pregnant. That comes back around. Um, and so – he, the husband, and the chief of police kind of, you know, they're grieving and everything. And they kind of seem to have a an agreement, I guess, sort of. Or an a understanding. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, we have an understanding. <laughs> <laughs> that the husband is going to probably go hunt this dude down. And the cops are, you know, they're looking for him, too, because he's continuing to kill people. So he's, you know, somebody they want to stop. Um, but covertly, the husband, what was his name? How, how do you say his name? The main guy, our, our hero? The, yeah, our, our hero. Uh, Su Hyun. Okay. So he is, he goes on, you know, he goes after him. And, you know, you, you typically you kind of, you see a movie that, dives into just like the hunt and you know the the hurdles of of getting the guy and the pitfalls of that and then ultimately he gets him and kills him and everybody says yay 
vengeance. But in this movie, that all kind of happens before the midpoint. And we find out that he's not just going to kill the dude. He's going to keep him alive and stop him right before he gets to fall, like carry out his next victim's uh, killing and and really uh, kind of make him suffer for it. He wants him to keep feel this he wants to him to feel the same pain that he and his wife uh, experienced. That's right. Or his wife. And, and so it gets sort of dragged out. And of course, in doing so, you know, there, there's ups and downs and, you know, who has the upper hand at different moments is, is kind of critical to this. Um, but one of the ways that he like tracks him and sort of a key point is that he has a device that he um, that he makes the guy swallow and he's kind of unconscious and that is a tracker. And so he can hear what the dude's saying and he can track his location. That becomes kind of a pivotal plot device. Um, you know, and it backfires eventually. The guy finds out that he's got a tracker in him and we get a very gruesome scene revolving around him extracting that device and such. And we'll talk all about it, I'm sure. But ultimately, it's a story, a vengeance story, but a real like, well, I want to make you suffer version of a vengeance story. And just seeing how that affects everybody around and like the the downside of of carrying vengeance to that extreme, because nobody really it doesn't pan out great. In all sorts of different ways. It's not the best thing to do in life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this, yeah, this movie uh, 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 dissects that through and through, that theme. Yeah. Uh, and the back of the box description for it uses the phrase cat and mouse, I believe, <laughs> to describe sure. a, the kind of... Yeah, yeah, story. Let's see. I think I thought that was pretty accurate. Good phrase to yeah. describe the spirit it, of the what's going on. It's a regular Tom and Jerry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? It it, it 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 does hold the same appeal as an adult <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think of like these two really are the Tom and Jerry archetypes in a way. Yep. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Tom and Jerry, uh, not for kids, everyone. Right, yeah, you know, the bump on the top of the head when, when you know, Jerry mallets Tom um, usually doesn't have blood spraying everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But in this case, it, it definitely does. Which one's the mouse and which one's the cat? I always forget. Jerry is the mouse. Right. Tom is the cat because you can Tomcat is the association that I make. Just oh right, so yeah, right. Jerry never slashed uh, Tom's Achilles tendon in the back <laughs> of his heel. <laughs> yeah, Britt turned to me and she's like, "Is this triggering for you?" Because I've torn my Achilles, and I was like, "Yeah, it's not great." I mean, you know, <laughs> but that's what you want. I know. Yep. All right, let's uh, let's let's dismember further as we do here. Jump into it with our next section. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? 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 What worked for you?
like a charm. Smith. <laughs> These big buy it, Tims, just got to start broad. And yeah. I think a way to do that, and always love talking theme with you, is you got to pull it from the title, right? I saw the devil. What does that mean to you in the context of this film? What is the devil? How does this film explore that? I mean, honestly, I, w- I would say kind of what we were already talking about. It's less about the individual. I mean, I think it's sort of a it's a a, a metaphor, double metaphor, whatever. But it's less about the bad guy being the devil and more about the desire to seek out this vengeance and 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 hope that you're getting some <laughs> relief from your pain uh through vengeance is is really the devil concept or the work of the devil right like that's it's not altruistic that's for sure it's kind of the opposite and at the end of the day like we know that that's never going to leave you satisfied like that's why we watch vengeance movies is because yes we can have a moment of catharsis but like at the end of the day it's it doesn't bring back the loss that you've suffered it doesn't make you feel better or i think maybe that's the question um i think for some people it it alleviates some of the the trauma or the pain but generally speaking from a human standpoint it, it like we we see this this theme all the time right like is is vengeance going to make you, you feel better no is it going to bring back the people or the thing that you lost no so is it even worthwhile at the end of the day Right, so it's not just the devil in terms of the serial killer, but the devil in us all, that, that right. kind of definition. So do you, um, so then would the film just kind of be defining devil as, or the devil in our hero character, the cop guy, Su Hyun, as just his ability and willingness just to murder, even if he is murdering a murderer, that that's sort of how you define the devil in him? Well, I think that, the devil in a certain way of looking at it is he, you know, you would initially in really basic terms say, okay, the bad guy's the devil, right? Like he's, he's representing evil, but our hero ends up being just as awful and doing horrible things from just a basic human standpoint. Right. From a human to human standpoint. Right. Yeah, for getting to other people. And I mean, think about this for a second. Like, what's the morality behind having innocent, seemingly, parents and the son of a human being have to walk into their, you know, uh, son or father's beheaded body as the head rolls toward their feet. Like, is that okay? Like, did they deserve to to have to witness that? It, regardless of how awful that person who some would say deserved to die, those people didn't, did they deserve to have to experience that? And so right. I think the murkiness around like, morality and like 
who our main character becomes is is kind of what's so fascinating and like such a good exploration. Yeah, I was trying to think, I mean, just kind of like I posed to you, what is <laughs> what is the devil in each of them? Like it's just sort of like what is the same thing in each of them that that phrase, that word, that idea, the devil is helpful to kind of define something in them. And the best I could do, what kind of came to mind, it's the thing that overlaps between them is they each have this utter justification for their actions. Mm. Like the serial killer, uh, Kyung Chul, he's he's treating it, I mean, it ends up when we get into the story and the set pieces more, he's doing it as almost as a gig. Like he's a... a like a a worker, a day laborer almost, you know, <laughs> taking it's for cannibalism, collecting, but specifically as part of just the idea around it, the fetishization, the sort of um, almost hostile-esque, like, or almost just like a meat-esque. This is a fine, you know, tenderloin. They're specifically going after young women, all right. that much more perverse. But his approach to it is just like, you know, butcher at the butcher shop kind of thing. Um, and well, we get, wait, well, but... The butcher, the butcher is is also raping the the cow before he butchers them. Well, yeah, but even on that level, <laughs> he it's it's all justified. I, I, so I guess what I was gonna say, like in his worldview, he's it's it's not as if he's doing it in this sort of like sinister Hannibal Lecter way. It's as if he's like the world is horrible. This is just how the world is, and I'm just. I'm just living in that. This is just how the world is. I'm just doing my thing as a piece of that. I don't know. It's it's sort of, hmm. I don't know. It's There's a way, it's just that convincing thing where it doesn't feel like he thinks he's a bad guy, like any good bad guy in a way, you know? Well, I think the critical kind of moment, the, cl- the uh, moment of clarity for who these people are comes in the end when, when he's he sort of knows that he's about to be killed for real and he he flip-flops between just kill me just kill me just kill me and please don't kill me and you kind of realize oh he doesn't have an actual point of view yeah he actually is complete and he says it he says i don't feel anything i don't feel pain i don't care and so the the true kind of uh, you know two sides of the coin in this film of these two characters is that one possesses empathy and grief, and the other doesn't at all is completely void of that. And so the the story is really does our hero lose? his empathy and his grief in doing all of these awful things. Like, does he become more like this guy who's completely void of those things? Um, and like the, the, I think the balance of that and the, the question of that toward the end is like, we see him grieve. We see him like, mourn and upset and and like you know cry a bunch of times and have emotion but at the final moment 
he's fairly emotionless as he walks away. And I think that's a pretty, you know, stark reality. I mean, I thought, oh, we're just going to watch him kill himself in this last moment. Like that you can't go through all of this and carry on. Um, And who knows whether or not that that's what happened, you know, to the character. You can decide. But ultimately, I think that's the question. Do you lose your empathy and your morality, I guess, when you carry something like this to its end? And I think by leaving the head to be discovered or leaving the guy to be discovered, beheaded by his quote unquote innocent family is a pretty like, ooh, maybe. So then maybe a way to define it that's better that you kind of are getting into there. It's a certain kind of emptiness, mm-hmm. which I'd point to evidence for something that struck me in, yes, defining the devil inside someone. It's that great moment when it sort of sets up the serial killer, Kyung Chul's family, when he goes see the mom, dad, and the son. And the mo- when he shows the cop, uh, Soo Hyun shows the mom the picture and she goes, she kind of, she looks shocked and goes, and that's him, but that's not him. Why, why does he look so scary? Right. And right. I think that's a, a, a devoid of empathy thing going on. It's a devoid of just feeling, like you said. He's just gone. And what you have in its wake is, you know, quote unquote, the devil, this, this willingness to do anything. Well, and that begs the question, too, which I think is really interesting. That's a a critical sort of expositional scene is that does that imply that at some point in his life he had empathy and he had, you know, <laughs> like a moral compass or whatever? His parents seem to think so. You get the sense that the way his kid, just that the fact that he had a kid, too, Right. Was as if he was on the cusp of maybe having to have some... The fact that, you know, his parents were probably so surprised, had no idea that he ended up becoming the serial killer. I think it right. means he did change. I mean, and that's, again, that that scene of the mom seeing the difference in his picture, I think, uh, suggests that. And I think that, yeah, that's sort of like... <laughs> you could use the, the, the terminology of the title and just say, like, once you see the devil, that's it. You become You become it. And so I think that's kind of this, maybe there's this suggestion of the cyclical nature of that. It's like, if you give in to that, it's going to, that's it. Like you're, you're, you become the devil. And I think our hero suffers that same fate. And you could infer that, you know, after this movie, does that dude just go like have a life? Probably not. Does he start or continue to seek out people to kill? Maybe. Like, pretty likely that that may be the case. He's lost everything, right? Like, he suffers, I, the con- like, pretty serious consequences, and he's just sort of, you know, emotionless walking away in the end. Sure, I think, no, I, I mean, yes, he could have gone to do anything, but either I think you missed or misread the ending there. He's not emotionless walking away at the end. It's, oh, that's we, true, you We right. have... A full, and this is kind of also coming from, you know, what you're saying, like, where is the devil in him? And this also kind of uh, uh, will curtail into what worked as far as his arc, if you want to call it, just his character, his story, whatever. 
beginning of the movie, we see he we have the one sort of uh, get to know them, sympathize with them as a couple where they talk with each other on the phone. And he like tries to walk off into the bathroom to sing a song to her right before she's killed. But it's uh, it's made up of a big deal. Like he's too embarrassed to sing in front of a coworker. It's something he's like embarrassed or ashamed about has to do in private. Right. So there's a almost first setup of a different kind of circumstance where he stifles, let's say, or isn't being that that kind of genuine self on emotional level. And then the killing happens and then the whole movie is just him in a single place of anger, grief, revenge, that single mindedness of Mm -hmm. maybe that you could say that's the the devil inside of him. And then finally at the way, way end when he finally does what he set out to do as much as he can, it's like then the grief moves on to the next stage where I don't know if it's acceptance or what the order is, but he actually like cries for That's the true. first yeah, I'm, visceral I'm kind time. Of, I'm, I feel like I'm mixing up the, the beats here. He's emotionless as he walks out of the house the, and the family's walking in. That's the but, idea is to, I think, show that hard turn. He's been this Terminator the whole time. right? Uh, but then you're right, right? He sort of, he kind of grabs his face, right? And he kind of like... Oh, he full on starts like the, the, the tear ducts turn yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, that's true. That's interesting. Okay, so like, I guess a little more hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's progressing in the stages of grief. But or, I just think... Or, just to play devil's advocate, maybe what he's grieving in that moment is his loss of, his complete loss of humanity. And now he can't carry on with anything but being evil. I mean, maybe I just just it, just it, throwing it out there. Sure, I I I took away. It seemed like <laughs> he almost sort of put pause on his humanity the moment he got the news his wife yeah. died, and it's almost like someone just then hit the unpause button, and the reality of that just catches up yeah. with them because he seems too close, caught up in still mm-hmm. the revenge mode of what he was doing. I also like, happen. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's cool because it is kind of op- very open for interpretation. Like I think another take could be in just in that moment when the grief really consumes him that it's, it's everything. And it's also him going, look at what I just had to do. Like I just put another family through what I did or what I went through. You know what I mean? Like all of that's wrapped up together in the same sort of moment. And I think that's what makes part of what makes this movie so good is that it's not it's not just a sort of stark black and white, you know, go get the bad guy, kill him and walk away and we all cheer, right? Like it's so much more complex. Yeah. Well, that uh I guess is wrap up or not wrap up, but put a little the bow on would be the same thing. Well, I guess uh <laughs> <laughs> so as the the devil thing, just to say again, like just to I, I just kind of saw where I could draw the connection, where how his how Kyung Chul's mom described seeing you know the picture, what's wrong with him? He looks wrong in the eyes. I feel like that's how you could describe the mode that our hero Su Hyun is in, 
the whole movie up until he cries at the end, you know, between mm-hmm. getting the news of his wife's death and then his final, when he's finally cries, it's, there's that similar kind of just, he's gone. He's off. Yeah. The devil's, the devil's got him. Um, yeah, but I mean, just the simplicity of that, that that was his character. Uh, I don't, it's not so, I may mean, guess it's an arc when you look at it just that way. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you're, you're consistent through the whole movie, but just the simpleness of that I thought was so just good and effective to, to get those ideas across. I loved it. Well, and I think in this sort of will lead us into, I think my, for me, the next big thing to, to talk about is that in spite of him kind of being on this one track mission, you know, style arc um there's so much humanity in him moment to moment like in the process of doing these horrible things like yes he is stoic throughout and that's fine but he leaks a lot there's a rage yeah right and there's there are these there are these sort of um Oh, what's a good way of putting this? There are these moments of, well, I would say humanity where he, in the midst of of this rage and everything, he's also crying or overcome with emotion or grief or uh, at one point he's hitting, (laughs) very violently hitting the serial killer in the back of the head and he's just yelling why. And that's just so heartbreaking because it really kind of encapsulates everything that he's going through. It's not even like you deserve this or like I'm glad I'm doing this. It's it's still just why did you do what you did and bring us to this moment? And that's so upsetting. But so I think all of that's to say that the humanity that you see within that character is so deep and the performance and like how complex emotionally uh, this actor was able to be while still being stoic is an incredible feat of acting. And I think, I don't know, I wonder if people get that, if they see that. Uh, you know, I hope they do, or yeah. I hope they understand just how amazing that is to accomplish as an actor. Absolutely, it makes it so that out of there's just it just there's so much that is going on just as far as how this that makes the moments in the movie as a whole just satisfying. And I yeah. think there's uh, the one I was just thinking of right now that I didn't realize before until you were describing him that way, where there is just so much passion in him and, you know, lined at the question of why, 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 how much he loved his wife. It's in a stark contrast to serial killer Kyung Chul, who just seems so casual about what yep. he's doing. He's there. There isn't a pa- when he gets passionate, it's because he becomes determined to then seek revenge on the revenge seeker, right? <laughs> right. But like, uh, there's that line at the beginning that Kyung Chul said, it was like right before or right after he killed either his wife or the next woman, where he says something about, 
oh, your skin's so soft, mm. uh, but not in a way that's like, your skin's so soft. He's like, oh, your skin's soft. That'll make it easier to cut you. You know, it's just right. this, <laughs> this, this sort of devo- this casualness again. And I think that's sort of what that passion is working up against. It's almost uh, like, why, 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 why are you just so casual about this? Why, 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 why is your humanity just gone? Yep. Yeah. And and so I guess, you know, that that's a good <laughs> a good bridge to continuing this point that um Choi Min Sik is is like if people don't know who this dude is, this actor who played the serial killer, you you must know. <laughs> like you have to go watch him in other movies. Old Boy, his performance in Old Boy is one of the greatest acting performances of all time. <laughs> and I, I don't say that lightly. Like, I truly believe that. <laughs> you know, like, this dude is, like, heads and tails above most other living actors or just actors of all time. And so, like, like his ability in this movie to, like... He's it's a very different character, right? Like it's not like he's just good at one thing. Like he's so good in this movie as well at doing what you're describing this laissez-faire whateverness about these things that are going on, like the things that he's doing, the things that are being done to him. The the there's a scene, the scene where he uh has just killed the chief of police or well he doesn't kill him he beats he beats him badly and we haven't seen that moment yet and he just casually walks into the kitchen he's sort of like whatevering around he's sort of shrugging his shoulders grabbing grabbing a drink out of the <laughs> out of the refrigerator like i was I was taken aback. Uh, I was like, "Oh, this is how you play evil, man. Like if you want to if you want a lesson in making us feel really uncomfortable about humanity or the lack of humanity, just you know, get loosey-goosey with your with your behavior and just like chill." It's this utter lack of any and all he's just in his own world he's only self-serving yeah. like the scene you just described it's similar to when he uh steals the stuff from the pharmacy and the pharmacist is like yelling <laughs> right? at him to stop he doesn't even acknowledge the pharmacist he just goes in and takes what he wants like you know knocks he's whatever still on the floor. talking to he's still talking to yeah. <laughs> um what's his name suhyun and like it's so good <laughs> Yeah, he so doesn't even consider no does not worry if he's a crazy person. He's just in his own mission, his own world. And there's some really fun again, just how they contrast <laughs> in a Tom and Jerry way here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if that you know are describing kind of the type of character the serial killer Kyung Chul is, Su Hyun he's on the opposite end of the well, yeah. While the serial killer Kyung Chul is more this bulking, lumbering kind of like. Yeah, all those all those qualities and the qualities we just described, you know, very uh, yeah, head first. Soo mm-hmm. Hyun feels like the slick, young, uh, 
good looking, like, you know, leather jacketed with a cool collared up, uh, you know, opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, he's got kind of a James Bond slickness to him. Yeah, and just how he moves and his physicality yep. is swift and all that. So even just when it comes down to then they they literally confront each other, you know, in the in the fight, they just have that contrast with them too. But just both oh, yeah. so satisfying to watch in their each their own extremely contrasting ways. Yeah, I mean, Suhyun feels sort of like um a cat, like a panther or something like that. And and uh Kyung Cho feels I don't know, maybe more like a He's like the angry bear. Like a, a bear, yeah, a bear or a or a gorilla or something yeah, to that like yeah. something more substantial and and <laughs> hulking. Jaguar but, but versus casual, gorilla. right? Like you ever seen a gorilla just sort of like live in his life? Like they're like whatever. They're just chilling. And then suddenly they'll be like ba 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 and you're like, "Whoa, where did that come from?" And mm-hmm. they'll just like whatever, they'll freak out. It, he very much has that vibe to me. And I I mean, god, who knows? Maybe they used like he used that as a reference point or something. I don't know. Um also acting tip Always a good exercise. Pick an animal. It's really fun to do. I remember that from the one intro to acting class I ever did. Everyone had to go up first day and make a fool of themselves by acting mm-hmm. like an animal in front of the yeah. class of 200 or whatever. It's That's- very useful, though. <laughs> it's it it's definitely gives you some insight. So that uh, those contrasting characters, types of theirs, that makes it so fun to watch in this kind of cat and mouse story. It's uh, so primal. That's what I think is so effective in it that like you have this very very primal almost ancient feeling uh construct between the two of them the conflict that they're going through is is like it feels preternatural right yeah well that that i think is a huge huge part for why as you described it in uh, the character's terms that you he may get moments of catharsis but you Mm. know these acts of revenge never actually fully satisfy anything from the audience perspective where I'm sitting. It's his moments of catharsis that are the moments of catharsis for us too, that actually get to me in a way, in a fun way that revenge movies don't uh, as often. And it's, I was trying to define like what that is and how it does it. And it's, it's funny, like I thought of the term, you know, comic timing, but it's not necessarily <laughs> comic time. It's like that, but the comic timing equivalent I describe as like this perfectly satisfying timing to just like maximize those moments of catharsis. Like that this movie just does so, so well. And I think like the contrasting traits of theirs just helps play up even more. So like when we have... um uh when Kyung Chul's sexually assaulting the nurse and the timing of where <laughs> when Soo Hyun comes up behind him to hit him on the head from behind, it's just perfect. I can't think of it any other way. Like, like just that timing of the sound of him, the speed at which he's walking up behind him, the and the moment when Kyung Chul hears him and turns around, uh, you know, uh, in 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 um in in timing with the, when he gets then hit across the face, it's right, all right. just like boom, boom, boom. It's like 
maximize, you know, you just think from a filmmaking side, you're doing takes just to get something just to feel right or feel the best it can be. They just they do that so many times in this movie where they know how to like maximally milk these moments of catharsis. And I can't think of a movie that does it better than that. Than this no, movie. and they, and they, <laughs> the way that they stack as we go along, like in intensity is so so well done well yeah i mean just i just want to get out of the way this the other moments that were exactly like that um there's the first one that happens i don't think it's uh to kyung chul but just uh one of the other serial killers he's tracking down where Mm. there's just something to the shot it almost is like satisfying an urge that's kind of like one of those crazy urges you get when you're driving or it's like something i'll do in the grand theft auto games where he sees him on the motorcycle in front of him and it's just this perfectly shot and again timed point of view of him hitting the motorcyclist who's the other serial killer whatever straight in front of him and then we have to um that ending where again, it's this built up, build up, like we're hoping for some kind of payoff where uh, uh, Chung uh, Chul's uh, uh, goading Su Hyun, you know, I'm going to turn myself into the police. Your plans of revenge have failed, whatever, whatever. And then just in the very last possible half second moment, when the police are circling him, Sukhya knocks <laughs> off the door and <laughs> drives past him and pulls him inside. And it's just, you get just this rush of satisfaction. It's unlike it, anything. I think, I think that one of the key components to, to making those things satisfying is really dancing on this line of absurdity. Mm-hmm. Right. You see it in in these other moments, right? The uh, uh, <laughs> the Achilles moment is, I mean, it's so over the top. But Kyung Chul's like, scream is right, realistic. But they really play it out, you know. They let us see it, and my God, like <laughs> it's 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 insane. And so, like the car, him doing this maneuver with the car is—it's completely insane and absurd, right? Like, what are we talking about? But yet, even though, and we kind of know—I I don't know if we know what's coming. We kind of know what's coming. I think we know he's but, trying to intervene somehow, right? But seeing it executed, and like, maybe what I'm saying is not shying away from the absurdity of it is what makes it even more cathartic is because we're we're kind of watching it build and then we get to to cheer in a way of like oh my god even if it's a horrible thing like the achilles it's like once the achilles gets fully severed it's the same vibe as the car spinning and him like catching him mid mid like whatever you call that drift like it's crazy, but you get this moment, and like when the the motorcycle get or moped or whatever it is gets hit, you got this build up, and it's like it's like beat beat, duh, bang, and then it ha- like there's this rhythmic nature to all of these things too that just it's like a crescendo with a a, a cymbal splash, you know, like you're going mm-hmm. you're it's you it, you can see it in almost all art forms this style of sort of build to a a crescendo in a moment 
And it's just so well executed in the rhythm of it, of the filmmaking. It's it's amazing. I mean, the one that really got me, honestly, probably more than the Achilles was the ripping of the mouth. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> I actually, you know, typically I'm pretty good about like I'll watch those moments without flinching a lot of the time. I I really really did not want to see where they were going to take that. <laughs> There's <laughs> there is something about the I guess just the visceral nature of it that I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to watch a jaw get ripped off." <laughs> like it was so gnarly to me. And like I actually appreciated that they they kind of that one they kind of cut appropriately before it got too much. Yeah. Because if he had ripped the dude's whole jaw off, I don't know. I might I don't know if I would recover. <laughs> I'd be like, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny how you use the word to kind of set this all up. Um absurd and i get what you're me what you mean i think it's getting at there but i'd have to pick that apart a bit more i think to define like what it's doing for me where i wouldn't quite use that word for two reasons i think there's it still has this realism going for it that for me it doesn't absurd wouldn't come to mind like the Mm. the tendon getting cut the you know the how how even though it's like possible it seems like it's the realistic tearing of a jaw versus a mortal combat tearing of a no, jaw I, yeah right? you're right you're right and uh it's maybe what i mean by absurd just for clarity's sake is the <laughs> the idea that you're going to carry out this particular <laughs> act yeah is absurd to me so it's and what that is <laughs> yes. the act itself is not and the depiction of the act is not that's exciting so okay so you could agree yeah there's still a realism that grounds totally. that like these things in this physical reality could happen but yeah. i think what maybe it's <laughs> just the film world or the reality i mean you know reality is stranger than fiction kind of thing is why i will buy anything this extreme you know has happened and things like this do happen but just kind of put another way and something i'll try to shout out when it happens with i think specifically these korean horror movies we watch and i can say this with the ones that we haven't liked too there's usually something about um that they have uh this there's just something about them. Those Kore- South Koreans, they know how to push something to a certain kind of extreme, right? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like no one else to put it, the, to put it, they, they go there. There's a willingness to go there. So that's like those moments we've already described, you know, the intensity of the way he screams and the tearing of the tendon. There's the, famous uh all these great set pieces we'll get into but there's the taxi cab stabbing that's just this amazing shot circling the taxi cab with the other guy in there and the serial killer like oh my god yeah young <laughs> chul's like he just stabs him rapidly the driver rapidly and repeatedly it's just got such an amazing intense energy to it and then even just context wise like even just violence aside they go there like we've set up he's a serial killer who targets young women 
And then that even extends to and oh, and that he has we we know he's um he has is driving around in this transport van. Then we learn, oh, that's actually an active transport van. It's not just something, you know, that's a cover right. or something he used to do. He picks up not just school kids, Tim, but teenage school girls. Like all girls school. Exactly. <laughs> like, of course, that's what it's going to be, right? And then even just in like, God, I mean, just these these filmmakers, these South Koreans, there's, you know, we talked about where he gets hit from behind when he's um, sexually assaulting the women. And they, you know, not, I don't know, you could see an American movie or another movie. It's like he's about to do it to her. You know, he's about to force her onto him. This movie, not only does it like, there, you know, he fully, it's fully happening for a bit, but like in the sound design, they just take that extra effort. So it like, yep, that's, uh, <laughs> they do, that's yeah. how it sounds. <laughs> I know? think, I think that there is, yeah, there's something to be said about this philosophy. I don't know if this is how they're looking at it, but like it, it, it to me, it seems almost like the philosophy is, Okay, let's spitball some ideas. What's what's something really awful that can happen? Oh, serial killer uh, dismembers the body, and then and then the cops have to find the head. That's awful. Yeah, totally awful. Can we go a little bit further? <laughs> oh yeah, let's have the dad and the husband there. Great, no problem. Can we go a little bit further though? Yeah, put the head in a box, try and hide it from him, and have that guy trip so that the head falls out of the box in front of them, right? Yeah. Like, it's just, let's see how far we can go to just, like, bury home these, these, uh, just the awfulness of these moments, well, right? Like, let's, how far can we go to make it hurt or, it, like, make it impactful? And I think if that's the philosophy, you really are, like, exploring into this, it's not really one upsmanship, but from a creative brainstorming point of view it kind of i think that's kind of what the room might feel like well and think, that's great think about all yes all it's doing and why it's great i feel like this is a good spiel for the kind of well why why what's the value in horror movies why do you like horror movies kind of thing you know talking about ex pushing things to extreme with even the context of horror south korean horror pushing it even more extreme i think there's an honesty to it it's kind of like a well, what are we doing here, guys? We're we're engaging in horrible things, right? Like, <laughs> how do we make it horrible? <laughs> like, is it? Are we really going to shy away here? There's that that you know. There's yeah. There's an honesty I feel like to that, and then it that only lends itself even further to these moments of catharsis. They stir us up that much more, and can just play with us that heightened state that we have. It's going to make it more satisfying. There is a mastery, too, in this that it is not gratuitous, right? Like, there was – we really felt like uh, the movie Inside, uh, which was that sort of French horror, new wave horror, I think is the era, where the killer literally cuts a baby out of a woman, and they pretty much show it. That felt gratuitous. It felt like they were doing it for effect. This movie, like, and and I think a lot of the Korean horror, I never feel like they're doing it 
to get a rise out of us, like, or to like, just be gratuitous for the sake of gratuity. It always feels grounded in some reality, some sort of like causal, like reasonable uh, mode that, that we go, yeah, that is crazy, but like, I get it. And there's something kind of amazing to be able to uh, balance right in that that realm where you're not just feeling like you're just trying to get it. You know, like I think that the um, what do you call it? Like Insidious, the last key kind of movies, <laughs> they don't feel like they have the the grounded backing to support some of their moments that that these movies do. And it's it, I think it's just. It's a mastery of the genre to be able to to do that well. Yeah, if it's not, if it's the movie itself isn't good enough, it feels in bad taste in a certain way. Right. Well, yeah. I think to start a movie with how this movie starts with just something that should be as extreme and horrible as how the movie starts is with the woman woman getting murdered. It to to take things to these extremes i don't know another way to put i think what i was saying about it feels honest is it feels like respectful to those Hmm. emotions in a way you know what i mean yeah yeah well it's connected Mm. it's connected to emotion Mm -hmm. and to empathy and to like we get to see the characters actually care yeah it it feels respectful to like how much it's as if the movie's saying, like, we get how extreme the human situation is. We understand what it means to, like, feel this big about things that are this serious. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, uh, I mentioned the taxi cab stabbing almost <laughs> as a set piece, and I feel like we just got to kind of list off maybe, I mean, almost like a, uh, the other uh, Korean horror movie where we watched um, Thirst that we both dug so much. Like, oh, yeah, that apartment and a lot of like the clothing and that and this and the wallpaper and everything. It reminded me of just the middle set piece of this movie, which is just incredible, where it's this mansion in the woods (laughs) feels like something out of a Resident Evil video game or something. (laughs) It's great. It's uh, the home of their, their this happy little family of cannibals. Right. And from just the sequence as a set piece of the action and the shotgun off that they have. Oh, my God. And just the that w- action scene is so incredible. <laughs> the uh, the prepping of the cooking and dragging the woman out, something st- like straight out of Hostel with yeah. uh, Carmen music playing and the guys yeah playing <laughs> CDs. <laughs> And just this, the, them sitting at the table and talking about what they're eating and getting a look at this meat. It's just like, it's so good. It's, everything's great about it. I love it. I, I, yeah, it's, you know what I like about all of this is I, I think ultimately for me, uh, just a taste thing is that it's really combining three yeah, like three genres that I love. Maybe four. But like obviously it's horror. Uh, but it's it's thriller, right? It's suspense thriller, which is, you know, kind of the type of stuff that I've been writing because I want my horror films to live in 
reality. Like I, I like them to feel like this could be happening today here right now. And coupling that with this incredibly high um, level of of action and and martial arts to a degree um as well as having it being shot like the way the action is shot is like some of the best action movie stuff ever right so you've got you've got martial arts you've got action you've got suspense you've got thriller you've got horror all all just like mixed in so well together in this balanced very intense scene and like there's also kind of some comedy like built into it you know like there's a moment when when they're all sneaking around the the upstairs of the house like and it's really tense and suddenly the captive woman comes flying out of nowhere screaming attacking our hero because she doesn't know who's who and doesn't really care that's like, the when the energy absurd i think is where you're using the word earlier like that word helps capture that energy of that when it gets into that kind of humor yeah right but in spite of it being absurd, it also makes complete sense. It's grounded in the reality that they already set up. Of course she would attack him. She doesn't know who's who. Right. And look she's at- just getting tortured and, and messed with. Like, go after whoever's there. <laughs> and talking about taking things to extremes, they're a, a house full of happy cannibals. Cannibalism, right? But think, too, how that how that works so well for being a continuation, extenuation of the themes and the story. It's like we set up, all right, this guy is killing, capturing, killing women. That opens up the question, well, 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 why? Who, you know, to what, you know, like what's what's the end game? Not not why in the um in the the sense he's yelling it, but in the literal sense. Like right. what's the process? What is he taking part in? It's for meat. Um, and just to sort of show in, you know, in it, you know, sort of same but different way what's going on with Kyung Chul, I thought that was so just effective and spot on and powerful and, you know, showing same theme, different way to have the, the guy who's our main kind of cannibal just chowing down on the meat. And then even when he's, you know, getting ready to prepare it and pulls the woman out, it's this, that same kind of like same but different. It's like allows us to compare that and contrast that kind of it's similar the moment when Kyung Chul is beating the woman to death it's like the same sort of there's something similar going on to when the the dudes chowing away on the meat you know it's this sort of devoidness going on well and not to go down a a a uh, almost never ending tangent that we can sometimes, but it reminds me of the conversation we had about motel hell and about how we define morality in terms of like uh livestock and like living beings such as animals that we, we just turn off sort of a part of our, our brain to be like, yeah, but this is acceptable, right? To be eating these, living like sentient beings that exist on the planet I mean, right yeah as someone who 
as someone who doesn't eat animals and I have fun like watching um just like different like vegan street interviewers who like you know just talk with people just sort of be like hey you know wh- where are you coming from like why why aren't you vegan or what what do you think about eating animals do you think about eating animals the kind of main like a thing they always keep falling back on that they usually get people to generally agree with. And actually, if someone tells me this, who eats animals, it's when I kind of feel like, yeah, respect, I get I get that. It's when they sort of look at it as it is just a sort of for pleasure thing in today's day and age, you know, given the means, it comes down to it's for enjoyment, it's for pleasure, convenience, whatever, whatever. So that's just maybe that's the reason why it's so satisfying for me too, just to sort of have a character who's so indicative of a kind of gluttony just mm-hmm. go into town on the human meat. It sort of puts that same focus on this is all for pleasure. And you know, they even say something I think like it in the movie. It's like, oh, this is the best. Once you've had this, you can't go back. It's just exactly the, it's pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Right. And so, I mean, that's all, you know, to say, I think what's working so well in that is is how it forces us to kind of look at what or how we define morality anyway the whole movie is exploring that right like what what are the the tenets of of morality i don't know like it seems like it's kind of all over the place depending on who you ask well it and it's, and that's good i think that's because it evolves in a way almost i mean you could yeah. it i think it what societally what society at large deems moral evolves but i think we do have in there is a moral compass that we are evolutionarily pointed to whether it's like uh, you know it could be put as the golden rule or something like that sure that is the still made up though <laughs> Um, I mean, nothing's in the sense that nothing is real. There's nothing physical <laughs> right, about it. Right. But like, that's, you know, like saying that's, I don't know. For me, that's like saying, oh, your, your love for someone that's made up. You know, it's like, uh, no, I mean, I think the agreed upon construct is it's agreed upon because enough people kind of like have consensus well i think and, and but that like where the markers are like that's that that's a goalpost that has been you know depending on the culture depending on the whatever has been made up they've they, they've made a determination but what i'm saying is they haven't that thing that gets there to be a group consensus that is then coming from all those individuals that then makes it a consensus isn't coming from a made-up thing it's coming from a feeling that is real in those people that feel, I think this is wrong and I mm. think this is right. That's what I'm saying in a, <laughs> that, that's, that's the thing that I think we could, is real. I could go on and on about this because I find this really fascinating, like how you, how you construct these definitions. Yeah. But let's not. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> it'll go on forever. Um, all, all I'll say is animals don't have morality. And what separates from us from the animals. Right. And it's to, that's sort of what I mean by we've made it up. But we agree. I mean, well, sort of. We kind of agree. 
<laughs> so I just think that that's a really fascinating thing to look at because it's all up in the air in a way. Like in this movie, the cannibal, like that's his, that's his moral compass, right? Like he's, he's on one end of the spectrum, I guess. I think and what, we go, Oh, that's terrible. You shouldn't be doing that. But like you compare that to people eating, you know, a cow why why is it different maybe why i put it as like as in a sort of moral compass like an evolutionary you know um context that we're all work that we are slowly uh, zigzagging our way towards something and that mm. does feel real to me is cuz it feels like that is a sort of underlying driving force that has even though it's all non-physical there's still a real it's still major enough. It feels like it's not just sort of one of like a more like when we've talked about cults, like enough people decide something, it is their own reality, right? Like that's true on a certain level for sure. But I think there's just something more real to it when it does feel like like the end point, there's something real to it. Like think of just how much we can come down on like cannibalism does not feel right, right? Or like <laughs> things that right. were... Uh, but of course we know there's still like maybe corners of the earth where it's practiced by, you know, on some, I mean, that's like in the, the green inferno take on it. That could be offensive, whatever. But, um, but think about like all the things that we have done in human history, sacrifice, you know, treatment of certain people that was, you know, slavery, whatever that was deemed completely moral. Right. Right. By those people's morals. But then now look at it from a historical context. I think we can I think it is a little more than just a bunch of people, you know, just saying, hey, this is right. This is wrong. And then, you know, this is kind of like whatever. It's all up in the air. It's, it's things mm -hmm. like that that make me think, no, there is a compass up there that's driving us. That is more real than just a more subjective enough people believe in something. Correct. I agree. I agree that like if you can look at the recorded history, there seems to be a trend towards more like don't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Slightly. <laughs> yeah. That's, anyway, that's the Tim take on the golden rule. I like it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Okay, so what else? Where were we? Well, we, uh... we were. I was kind of bringing up the middle segment just as a set piece. Oh my god! So right. just to, unless you had anything else on that whole middle set. I mean, first is it just the way it comes in the movie? Or it kind of comes in a moment where you're like, well, where's this movie going? Yeah. Like, what is the bulk of this movie going to be? And then I already explained why it's just so perfect as a continuation of the story and themes. Yada yada yada. Great. But then just some other. I mean, first of all, just a movie where you can say there are like set pieces, I think mm -hmm. is just so good and important. It means that the environment in a visual way and in a how the physicality of the environment plays into the scene itself, it's just like all those things, you know, mentioned the the car stabbing. But there's that great first face off that they have in a greenhouse. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so incredible. And we get the switching of the lights turning from off and mm -hmm. on. We have the girl he's about to rape who gets away. And then we have just this like Yeah, it's it's maybe it's the best example in the film of their distinct physicalities you know, in a, in a Godzilla fight almost sense <laughs> sure. going at each other. Yeah. It's so good. That's the one that ends with him stomping on 
his arm, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just pretty poignant. It's like, man, we're really going there. And then you cut to him waking up in a grave. That shot is so so good. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's the moment too where we go, oh, there's a plan here. And it like you know you kind of go, damn. There's a lot of movie left. <laughs> yeah, but it's when we go. Oh, that's what this is. It's not. Yeah. It's not revenge in the sense of I'm gonna kill you, motherfuckers. I'm gonna torture you until you to make your gonna, life. To, I want to. Yeah, to bring make it, you suffer. Yes, suffer as much as possible. Uh, yeah. Which uh, Kyung Chul's suffer pad I thought was another good just sort of set piece. And the way we came back to that was great. His torture pad where he goes and cuts up the woman. But then it's how perfect that that is the location that he gets his comeuppance in. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And just the contraption, the the sort of the idea. Uh, the first time he uses that guillotine, whoo, quite mm-hmm. something. And then of having it having it wrap up with that, man, the way that stuff is filmed is really like intense and visceral. Uh, you talking about the head falling out of the out of the box, which yeah, in the moment <laughs> it does play, and this is a good word, a good use of it. It's this absurd, over the top thing, uh, but it comes back because it is a full circle yep. moment of him getting the most revenge he can by having uh, Kyung Chul's head roll up to his family's feet. Totally. Which I thought there's something interesting in that too. And it just came as a great, just another, just, I mean, what great movies do is you go, well, where this, where's this going? Where's this going to end? Like to what extreme can we take this to sort of feel like it's saying or doing something? So just to bring back in the family is so smart because yeah. we go at a certain point, we get the feeling like, I don't think he can do anything that would actually shake or unnerve this guy as much as Chuck Kim or, you know, uh, the <laughs> yeah, you just, uh, when someone just doesn't have that sympathy or even isn't that, I don't know, I guess that would be sympathy for himself. I don't know. You get what I'm saying. How do you, I pu- do. how do you push someone that far? So then just the, the only possibility for that to ever happen, all of a sudden it clicks with us is, oh, he might still care on some level about his own family and kid that much. If there's anyone in the world right. that could actually get to him to bring out these level of emotions that uh, he's trying to get out of him, this would be it. Yep. Yeah, it's perfect. It's, like, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. The, 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 another big sort of broad thing and leading to a specific thing is the... the the use of pacing of sort of how the movie pans out. It's like once we establish that this is a different type of vengeance movie and we know early on that like, oh no, the kind of the end of the first act is really the first meeting of of our our two main characters and, and then going, okay, well, what's the rest of the movie going to be? The pacing of the set pieces and the turn of um kyung chul realizing that he it has this tracker inside of him and how the tables do turn at that point and it becomes this i guess again it's a cat and mouse 
of, oh no, I got to get to him before he takes that thing out of him or else I'll lose him completely, like for good. And just the, <laughs> like the, the, oh man, us having to watch him sift through his own poop. And then putting Not, it down another guy's throat. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, oh boy. <laughs> That's like, a lot to take in. But that whole sequence, like, because that sequence ultimately leads to, it's a long sequence. Because it leads to to um, Suhyung doing the the crazy car maneuver mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. so that's all one long long sequence and it's amazing it's like it's sort of that post midpoint like everything's gonna go to hell if he doesn't solve this new problem right and man it's so good well what that problem is that young chul sets up for suhyun and that's so good is and again it's just one of those things that you know you don't really see coming on a first viewing when you're going well how is he now going to get this revenge on the Revenger as far as it, it was just so smart of him to decide to put himself in prison, to confess himself, you know, to give himself into the police. Cause you go, well, it's, I don't know, it's just so brilliant. Like what would, yeah. What would be worse than being able to prevent this guy from being able to inflict harm on him, how he wants to. And what's the only way he could do that is to be, protected by <laughs> uh who is also after him it's yeah and it's it's fun when it sort of almost calcifies into this um uh the conflict you know right right then of being like at that point when su hyun so obsessed with getting his revenge then kyung chul's main motivation he's lost his job whatever he's not going back to there the police are after him anyways it's just like now it's all about just how do I prevent Suhyun from ever taking that revenge on me? And also, how do I make it hurt the most? Yeah. Right? Like you messed with the wrong guy. And and it does lead us, I guess, you know, effectively, I would have to look at the timestamp, but I assume that this, the end of the second act is, this is his mistake, right? Like Suhyun's one mistake is bringing him to the hospital and allowing him to hear you know that well he doesn't allow him but he accidentally allows him to overhear that he's being tracked once he knows that it he's screwed like it all cascades down to the chief you know his wife's dad and sister getting killed yeah. And that I assume is the end of the second act, right? That's sort of the all is lost moment. But that's a long sequence of of events. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked uh also the reaction with it was with the other detective police guy once the dad and sister have been killed. Yeah. Where then you have this other cop guy get super, super mad at Su Hyun. He flips out at him, like essentially saying, How could you be so stupid to be trying to you know take revenge like this look what it did now it led to the death of your father and sister-in-law um, right but it was just one of those wonderful moments that we always like to point to of um where where the devil just leads to the more devil in someone else right you know right. <laughs> yeah it's a great moment of that yeah i feel like there's some famous quote i don't know what it is but it's something to the effect of like you know, only only bad things will come of this type of, you know, 
attempt at at vengeance or retribution or whatever. Yeah, but then... It seems kind of true. Which then, in turn, though, someone reacting to being angry at that fact, we almost see them going down that path because then he, you know, smacks him in the face or whatever. It's like... Yeah, I mean, ultimately, in the most simple terms, it's just like violent and ego will always like infect everything yeah. negatively. I remember we went down that path a lot to, when we looked at all of the psycho movies. It was fun. <laughs> right, right. Generational trauma. Uh, yeah. Any other big things or little things you want to get out of the way for say your piece for what worked? Well, I think we've pretty well covered it. I mean, the, there's a ton, but yeah, those those are all the ones that stick out. It's it's so good. You should watch it. If you didn't watch it, what are you doing? Go watch it. And yeah, we can't say go watch it and then listen to this. You're already listening to this. Uh, <laughs> all right, great. Um, Tim, you know, I, I I gotta say, like we for these movies, we don't even necessarily have to go into our what did not work section. Do you actually have anything for that section? I, you want to say? I have one thing. Well, then we got a section for that still for you. All right, <laughs> here we go. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> It's small because it's not horrible, but I think the music at times undercuts the movie. There was maybe one moment where I kind of sort of felt that, but mm, it was more just like all at the level of I would not put the music in what worked. Yeah, yeah, but, that's about where it is for but me, But that too. did not mean I felt like I had to put it in what did not work. <laughs> it... Uh, yeah, it's just such a fine line. I guess it's always one of those things where I'm like, had it been different or just different in some sort of way, it would have elevated the movie. And in this case, I think it didn't elevate the movie. So there well, you go. What is great is that the composer's name was just Maug. <laughs> M-O-W-G. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah cool like share <laughs> yeah if, of of uh if share was a south korean composer of horror movies yep <laughs> all right then <laughs> that means uh we can move on more substantially to our final big section here things of note things of note <laughs> this should be interesting You know, I guess this this is sort of a thing that worked that I forgot to mention, but it's a tiny, tiny detail that I just love. Um, these little angel wings that we we follow on the rearview mirror, just that metaphor, design, whatever you want to call it, that choice, I just think is great. And having it be the killer's car, it's so that thing of manipulation, right? Like he's posing as this helpful angel yeah and the angel and the devil kind of thing like it's just a great it's great great design that actually is the perfect segue for both of my things of notes those those wonderful (laughs) angel wings first i thought it was interesting the literal translation 
of the original South Korean title, mm. Korean title for this is not I saw the devil, but saw an angma. And just in parentheses for what angma means is evil spirit or demon. So cool. there is more of a angel demon kind of thing. Cause you usually like think that, that it's, it's uh there's the devil and God would be the sort of opposite inverses, but angel wings. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. It does change it. Cause it, it works for, there's the devil inside, but it's more like these are agents of evil in the mm-hmm. meantime. These are the possessors of evil. These are the demons afoot. Well, and just think about how symbolically intelligent putting these wings on the mirror are, right? Like we're looking at this guy is essentially spending the whole movie as a reflection of the other guy. It's really smart. This is very intelligent directing design. Yes. Uh, Was it the, is it the first shot where we see the angels? Right, where they turn on. So forget if it's the first first shot but right at the beginning we get this shot of the angel wings on the rear view mirror and tim this is just something i wanted to pose to you on the level of very fine tooth comb dismemberment we do here <laughs> okay. on the show but as sit up. as filmmakers these are the questions i like to ask when you're kind of you know deciding how to shoot something but it was really interesting it's the shot, it's the close-up, a medium close-up, let's say, of the rear-view mirror with the angel wings and, you know, driving down the road. And it's like, this film is not 235. It's, you know, got a, it's got a bigger, but taller frame to it. The, the, they aren't exact center. The rear-view mirror looking mm-hmm. out the window, it's not exact center, nor is it sort of framed by, like, thirds you know it's not sort of on one side so much or sort of splitting that third line it's like center slightly slightly off center okay i'm trying to think like what did that do for you as opposed to if they just had centered it like the first place my head goes is something about setting it in like a a more realistic tone or not versus like often a perfectly centered thing can be just a little more in the realm of let's say a Kubrick or a Wes Anderson but then Mm -hmm. at the same time those can also totally you know have enough realism or a certain kind of realism or just be another way to present realism but just yeah what what would have done what was it doing for you with it being slightly off center versus if it had been exactly on center well, it's two things. So I think the first thing is that it it just sort of implicitly makes you feel uncomfortable because it's, it's just off. It's just slightly off. And that subconsciously at, at, at least I think has an effect on us as the viewer. Um, the filmmaker's choice to do that, though, I think is also it's also a version of telling us who this character is without having to do much if it were symmetrical or if it were on the third or something like that it doesn't necessarily say anything about where we are and who we're in the presence of except for the objects themselves sure right right exactly 
but it is a um the objects are an inverse of the reality right he is not an angel and so when i guess if you want to get really technical if you want things to to match their definition you you make them symmetrical or or you you make them line up properly but by putting it off center we are essentially saying he's not this thing that we're looking at he is not an angel he's off center of that and i think that you're just you know you're just kind of leaning into the suggestion of that it's it's a clue almost more than anything to me Right. And all that's what I that's what how I would take it, at least. I don't know what their actual right. intention was. Maybe they just like had to sit. Maybe there's like something in in the seats in the back seat and they had to be like, like the cameraman had to be off a little bit. Right. And this is always unlikely. These, I mean, these are the questions that are like my favorite questions where it's like the kind of level you ideally aren't thinking about it when you're watching it. And we may have just talked about it more than the filmmakers ever did. You know, totally. they, the cameraman could have set up the shot and they're like, perfect, you know, like, right. <laughs> and, and then uh, we, as the, the film fans, critics, podcasters, other film, interested filmmakers can then pick it apart as to then why it works or whatever. Yeah. I mean, on the full frame sensor, maybe they were catching a little bit of the, um, you know, the the supports around the windshield, but it was whatever. They're like, oh, we have to punch in like a, just a few percentage points. And by doing so, you you just tilt off center a little by accident. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I have to do that with a shot right now that I'm like, ooh, this is going to end up looking kind of strange, like untraditional composition because I have to push in to mask out something in the background and i'm like so i tried it just as a test and i was like well it's actually good that it's off, that it's going to be short side and really off because that's what's happening in the context of the story right now let's make everybody feel weird so it's like a happy accident i guess yeah <laughs> that stuff happens <laughs> yeah. uh and yeah i guess to say again i don't know my my sort of take on that very question or at least what it was doing for me was just by having it just be that little little off kilter makes it i don't know if it puts it more in like a documentary mode or something hmm. but just something about it just made it me instantly feel like ooh this is reality i'm in just to set me up for then when something violent happens it just has that hits me in that stark realistic way that much more yeah. But then why I always want to ask, and I think why I want to ask is then I catch myself and say, yeah, but I can see it working just as, it's also just as realistic, even if it was framed evenly. But uh, anyway, all, all fun stuff. Cool. All right, any other yeah. uh, things of note you had? No. I will just say that, like, Kurosawa, the director, there's an interview. I, I can't remember the actual quote, but the interview is, like, some interview and being like interviewer being like, oh, my God how did you come up with this incredible framing? It's so beautiful. It's so iconic, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, well, there was a telephone pole right over there. So I, I had to be here. <laughs> yeah. And that's <laughs> you know, all or whatever it was, something like that. That's all uh, creativity and filmmaking ever is, is working within our constraints. <laughs> right. Um, but no, I don't have anything else. 
This movie's really good. Great. So it did. Uh, I'm always worried, you know, with not just you, with anyone that, uh, you know, you hype a movie up, it can summon the inner contrarian. But right. you you now see why I wanted you to see it. Totally. <laughs> Great. I'm glad uh, Britt liked it too. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, you like to wind down here with some recommendations. Tim, what do you got? Well, of course, Ryan, I have to recommend Dead, the new Marvel Disney Plus series, Moon Knight. Okay. It's... Uh, it's not like the greatest show ever by any means, but Oscar Isaac, I've decided, is the like the greatest actor ever. <laughs> I didn't even know he was in it. I didn't know about the show. I know you love uh, Inside Llewellyn Davis. Oh, I do. I really do. Actually, like just hearing that title makes me want to go watch it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I it's I guess all I'll say is it's it's fun. It's a you know, it's a superhero movie. It's based on a character Moon Knight who is a a guy who has multiple personalities and is also possessed by the Egyptian god of vengeance Khonshu. And so, you know, it's really fun and there's like traveling all over the world and like egyptian mythology stuff that goes on it's it's just cool and it's it's slightly you know darker and different than a lot of the marvel stuff up uh, to date and but ultimately it's just fun to watch oscar isaac be like quite literally in scenes having to switch from one personality to the next to the next all in one take Mm. it just He's, I just don't know how to express enough how good of an actor he is. Cool. It's amazing. So check it out. I actually, you know, I've never like too, too huge on the movies, but I really like the two shows I've seen. I Mm. I liked WandaVision totally solidly, got way more into the characters than I would for your typical Marvel movie. And then Loki, I thought was incredible. I loved Loki. (laughs) Really, really good. Yeah. You don't have to have seen anything else, honestly, to watch these shows. Like, I guess it helps for some context, but honestly, Moon Knight in particular, so far, you don't have to have no like any context of the rest of the Marvel world. Yeah, I had no idea Oscar Isaac uh, had been inducted into the multiverse of Marvel. (laughs) I know. I know. It's crazy. I will recommend Dead, a film I loved and was a big deal when it came out 20 years ago. I believe it won the Academy Award 20 years ago. Wait, can I guess what that is? Yes, Tim. Whoo! Uh, twenty years ago, twenty twelve, Academy Award. No, Tim. Twenty years ago, not ten oh, years ago. No, two thousand two, <laughs> the Academy Award. Two thousand two. What was I doing in two thousand two? I lived in New York City. Okay, can I put myself there? You were giving them no. the old razzle dazzle, Tim. Yeah. What? Uh. Yeah. Um. Is it uh the pianist? <laughs> I don't know. I just gave you a hint. It's Chicago. Oh, right. Chicago? <laughs> what a movie. I Well, it holds up. If you're, What a movie is your reaction now? I mean, I was just so happy to see it. It holds up great. Each song is so catchy. Like, there's not a dud amongst them. It's just, a, you know, in that kind of like pre, you know, mid-aughts period when films still really like were shot on film and felt like films and had like a sort of practicality, physicality to them. Just all their actors are just like killing it. Primo, primo. 
um, era for them. Uh, God, it's just the whole movie, just like the words they say in that one song. It's, it pops, it sizzles, it's <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, I was really happy it, it held up. I love the idea that you're just super into a, a, a musical, a movie musical. I just... I think that really <laughs> says a lot about who you are. I love them. I mean, <laughs> I'd love to cover Little Shop of Horrors on our show. That's it. That would be, be a fun cool. one. Um, yeah. Oh, Fiddler on the Roof. Willie, uh, not Willie Wonka, I was going to say. No, I guess that counts. Um, Mary Poppins singing in yeah. the rain. I love. And uh, I'm glad this modern music or I guess. Yeah, it'd still be considered a modern musical. Also, it's this is interesting to see how like any musicals past the era of you know, 1960 and earlier, there's always the question right. of how do they pull off being a musical? So, right, right. Yeah. And Chicago had a great approach to that, which was all the musical sequences sort of exist in fantasy of the characters. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, and on top of a world that already is very like stylized and heightened and set in a specific era. Um, right. Anyway, great. If you're looking for an excuse to revisit it, if it's been 20 years for you two, holds up. Check it out. Well. What's next week, Tim? Oh, a a uh, streaming film. A streaming film. It's a film that, for whatever reason, people who I feel like aren't usually watching horror movies in my circle have watched. I don't know if it's this kind of the marketing or when something pops up on Hulu. but I think it's also the actor's. Okay. People like these actors. So, yeah, sorry to keep beating around the bush here. We're talking about <laughs> Fresh, where Tim and I are going to catch up on. Maybe you've seen it, but we're going to watch Hulu's Fresh. I think I, I mean, I haven't heard a ton, but I've so far only heard good things, which is cool. But I haven't heard a ton. I feel like I've heard tepid things. Really? Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll find out soon enough, Tim, and we'll see you all then. To wrap it up, we hope uh, you don't see the devil. But if you do, maybe, uh, I don't know, hold back a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Good advice. Yeah, in closing, uh, thanks for being here. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. (laughs) 